of the Gold Standard, the Notre Dame Athletics podcast that we hope becomes your gold standard for all things news, recruiting, analysis, and opinions regarding Irish sports. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. I'll be joined by my co-host, Mason Plummer, here shortly. I'll let him introduce himself. A lot going on. Practice actually begins. There's an official schedule out for Notre Dame as well. We'll recap that. Of course, we have to dive into COVID, our favorite topic. A couple new commits and then one really big one here. Mason will break all that down for you along with some other recruiting news. And Mason also has a great interview with three-star athlete Robbie Snelling. He's a class of 2022 guy, Reno, Nevada. He's a two-sport athlete, and it's a really interesting interview that Mason put together there. We're going to continue our position previews with the offensive line breakdown. Mason, introduce yourself, man. Yeah, what's going on, guys? My name is Mason Plummer. Uh, you can find my work on Irish Breakdown on Sports Illustrated. I'm a contributing writer over there. I'm a recruiting analyst, the main recruiting analyst over there for the football side. Really loving what I do. And Todd, our recruiting, it, it, it seems to never stop. And Notre Dame landed some big guys recently. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Generations Barbershop. Located on Lincoln Way East, Generations is open Tuesday through Saturday by appointment only. Check them out on Facebook at Generations Barbershop, a local shop with a Notre Dame feel. Yeah, you know, it's funny because COVID has sort of slowed everything else down. But when it comes to recruiting, that never slows down. We'll get to everything I mentioned, but as we start every show. Gold Rush. In a marriage that seems made in heaven, Notre Dame and Guinness Beer announced this week that they have a partnership, a seven-year partnership. They're calling it Raise a Guinness. It was supposed to be announced as part of the trip to Dublin for the Navy game. Obviously, that didn't happen. I'm not exactly sure what all this means, but there's a commemorative eight-pack, and Joe Montana is the ambassador. Notre Dame number one wide receiver Kevin Austin set to have surgery, may miss one to two weeks of the season. You know, if it happens, Todd. Also on the injury front, offensive lineman Cole Mabry, running back Trevor Spades, and wide receiver Isaiah Robertson all declared medically ineligible. Cole Mabry actually fired from football with the set of injuries that have plagued him during his career. Yeah, Spades done before he even gets started. Lou Holtz, former legendary Irish coach, he took a shot at the Big Ten after the Big Ten canceled its season. Uh, he said, hey, you know what? You got to take chances in life. You have, to, you have to take risks. He even pulled out a little war quote here. He said, let's move on with our life. When they stormed Normandy, they knew there were going to be casualties. There were going to be risks. Todd, for the number of geeks like me, this is a good little, little number here. Notre Dame wide receiver Braden Lindsay set to be the first player in Notre Dame history to wear the number zero. More sour news on the COVID front here. Bands, the ACC announced that no bands will be allowed on the field. They'll have to play from the stands. They'll probably be the only people in the stands. That will take away a lot of the pregame pageantry and halftime pageantry for Notre Dame. Definitely more sour news for me as well, unfortunately. Lastly, sophomore defensive end Nana Osafo Mensa is set to miss the season. He had knee surgery for injuring himself in practice, so injuries keep piling up. Gold Rush. Speaking of COVID, let's jump into this right now. Much has changed, yet so much remains uncertain. Right now, what we do know is Notre Dame started practice this week. They'll have 15 practices. They're just working in helmets right now. I believe this weekend they will add the shoulder pads. As I mentioned earlier, the Big Ten canceled its season, as did the Pac-12. So two of the Power Five conferences are down. Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC are still moving forward with the season. You know, Mason, it's just such a different world. Even Brian Kelly said, hey, I've been a coach for 30 years, and I feel like a rookie but at least mason it's nice to see practice starting yeah absolutely you know whether it's whether a season happens or not we're not really sure at this point but 
at the very least, we're seeing the guys practicing, getting out there, and that's really important, I think, for them. You know, football is what, what they're uh, what they're doing, and that, that's what they love to do. So it's really good to see them able to practice, you know, in the hopes that there is a season. A lot of the players, 10 of the SWAT team uh, captains for Notre Dame, came out, sent a letter, and said, we want to play. This was in the wake of the Pac-12 and Big Ten canceling its season. So far, now it gets interesting because the students are back on campus at Notre Dame. So far, so good on the testing front. Now, two players, two additional players did test positive for COVID-19 and then seven others were quarantined with them. So nine players right now in quarantine, no names given, not surprising there. In all, four players so far through all the testing at Notre Dame, only four players, and that is in a 619 test, have tested positive. That's less than a 1% hit rate. So that's good news. It seems like Notre Dame's doing everything it can to stay safe. And actually, here's Brian Kelly on exactly what it looks like right now for him. I think they clearly understand that their human behavior has put them in a position for the university to feel as though uh, they can trust their student athletes uh, to make good choices and good decisions. And that the overall atmosphere here is that we're all in. And in other words, you know, both students and student athletes, we're all in to see that we have a football season. And, and so uh, I think that they earned that trust um, in the six weeks leading up to the school starting here. This is uh, very difficult, but uh, if we give them uh, great health care and understand that we need great procedures and protocols and, and uh, have all the things that are necessary to uh, take care of our student athletes and our staff, that, that we can do this. I think that coupled with the fact that they're in a very safe environment here. Being being involved in this program is 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 very safe. Look, it, the, the pandemic and, and the virus is not going away. You still have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. You still have to do all the things that you would have to do in this program. It, it doesn't change things for you. We just have more guidelines. We have more safety checks for you. We have uh, specialists for you. We have testing for you. We have a lot of other things to care for you within the program. You can sense when you listen to Brian Kelly there, he's not quite sure what's going to happen, but he has to take it day by day and work as if this season is a full go, Mason. Yeah, absolutely. And you can almost hear the uncertainty in Brian Kelly's voice. He's very normally a very assertive guy. He kind of tells it how he, how he sees it. And uh, yeah, you can just you can really feel the uncertainty. He doesn't know what's going to go on, and it seems like nobody does. So uh, it's it's a rough spot to be in, but it seems like Notre Dame and Brian Kelly and the rest of the staff doing their absolute best to make a season happen. And unfortunately, it's kind of out of their control at this point. Yeah, the schedule came out as well. The day after the schedule came out, Western Michigan, after the MAC, also Mid-American Conference, canceled its football season. Western Michigan, which was supposed to be that plus one game, that out-of-conference game, that had to be scrapped. So even that's in flux right now. No, Notre Dame has that September 19th date open, whether they'll fill it with like a Brigham Young, an Army, or maybe they can even start talking to Navy again remains to be seen. I know we're getting a little bit tight on time there as far as filling that. But let me give you a quick rundown. Duke at home, September 12th, is the season opener. Western Michigan now scrapped, so the 19th is a bye week. The 26th of September, they go to Charlotte, North Carolina to play Wake Forest. October 3rd is another open date. Florida State comes to Notre Dame on October 10th. Louisville comes to Notre Dame on October 17th. At Pittsburgh, October 24th. At Georgia Tech, October 31st. Home against Clemson, nobody's looking forward to that one, on November 7th. At Boston College on November 14th. And then November 21st is another open date. At North Carolina on the 27th. And then Syracuse at home 
on December 5th. Mason, they build in these open dates in case anything had to be canceled and rescheduled, which to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense because, you know, we're seeing the, the Notre Dame schedule, not only Notre Dame schedule, but everybody's schedule, you know, across the FBS and the FCS really being changed as the as the days go by. So I think it's really smart to build in those open dates. It gives us more flexibility, and I think that's really needed in a time like this. By the numbers. 85. 85 is the number Notre Dame finds itself now on its roster. That's the maximum number of players after the three medical hardships that Mason mentioned earlier in the show. That gets Notre Dame right where they need to be. 10. 10. Notre Dame comes in in the first coaches poll, ranked 10th in the country. There are only two other teams on its schedule that are ranked. Obviously, Clemson number one and North Carolina number 19. All right, let's move on to Mason's wheelhouse here, recruiting some big news here for sure. We've been watching this one, talking about this one for for several weeks now to the Rocco Spindler watch. Well, guess what? Notre Dame got him in a ceremony up there at his high school, Clarkston High School in Michigan near Detroit. Spindler, the six foot five, 315-pound offensive lineman, pledged his allegiance to Notre Dame. Mason, just how big of a get is this? Uh, it's hard to put into words how big of a get this is, Todd. And without putting too many expectations on the kid right away, this is as close to Quentin Nelson uh, of a recruit as we've seen since he's been at Notre Dame. And it hasn't been that long, but this guy's just a mauler. You know, you have to play with an attitude on the offensive line, and this guy's got it. You know, he just wants to absolutely put faces in the dirt, and that's what he does. So um, pulling him out of Michigan, it's hard to overemphasize how big that is. Getting him committed to Notre Dame, and uh, Todd, I don't know if you got to see his commitment video, but that was a tearjerker, man. Uh, his, uh, his grandfather, he promised him before he unfortunately passed away that he was going to end up in Notre Dame. That's what he's done, and you're, uh, we're, we're going to see a great career from Rocco Spindler. It's going to be a name to know for the years to come. Yeah, his grandpa was definitely a driving force in that decision. You're right, right before his grandfather passed, he, he promised him that he would commit to Notre Dame, even though Rocco admitted he wasn't 100% sure, but indeed he made good on that promise. Great player. As a matter of fact, I have a little bit of um, that this appeared on blueandgold.com. It's an interview with Spindler after he made his choice. You know, I told my grandfather maybe a year ago, you know, he only had three days, you know, left, and, you know, he was a huge Notre Dame fan, and, you know, I didn't come with that decision yet. You know, I told him just so he can, you know, go at peace of knowing, you know, before he passed away, and, you know, I was like, hey, man, I'm, you know, Grandpa, I'm going to go to Notre Dame, and you know he was so happy. I was like, hey, you can't tell anybody, and you know he didn't. And you know I, I didn't come with that, you know, till later, you know, actually two weeks ago. I was like, you know, I really want to go to Notre Dame, and you know I was like, I'm fulfilled that promise, and you know now I am, now I did. You know, some may say, oh, how come you just didn't commit sooner? It was a very tough decision. You know, the opportunities that all the schools offered, it was you know splitting hairs, and you know I was thankful for every opportunity that they you know offered and gave me you know, from the university and as the team itself. And, you know, I was just truly blessed. You know, the pros of Notre Dame, you're going to win a national championship on the field and you're going to win one in the classroom. And, you know, the business school, I believe, is one of the best. And I believe they can develop, you know, amazing talent guys and, you know, get them to the league. And I believe they're O-line U. I believe they're the NFL factory of offensive linemen. And, you know, the relationships I had with those coaches, you know, for, will go with me for the rest of my life. Seems like a really good kid on top of everything else, Mason. Rivals ranks Spindler as the number three offensive guard and the number 56 overall player. So this is really a great get. Absolutely. And when any anytime you're picking up an offensive lineman, as I mentioned, from the state of Michigan, pulling him away from Michigan, and then he's he's nearing the five-star range. And if he gets to play football, it's possible he gets into that top 30 range where he will be a five-star. So pairing him up with Blake Fisher, Todd, that's just awesome. 
awesome for this 2021 class. Yeah, they just keep humming along on that Notre Dame offensive line. We're going to actually break down the current offensive line here towards the end of the show. Another get for Notre Dame, and you really like this guy. You've been talking a lot about him just between when we're bannering back and forth. Prince Collie, a three-star linebacker, six foot two, 205 pounds. He's from Jonesboro, Tennessee. Rivals rates him as the number 57 linebacker. He held offers from Alabama and Auburn, so this is another good get, eh, Mason? It absolutely is, and it, I mean, uh, he's not a three-star player, I can tell you that now. This guy's going to be an impact player at Notre Dame. He's going to be a star player at Notre Dame. Uh, he's already getting comparisons to Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo, the current Notre Dame mm. rover, who's set to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft if he has a season anywhere like he did last season for Notre Dame. I love what I see from Prince Kyle. I think a lot of it is, you know, he's he's from a smaller high school in Tennessee, so not a lot of recognition, but I think, Todd, the offers speak for themselves. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah, you go down that offer sheet and you're sitting there looking at a three-star. It, it did make me wonder a little bit. These two gets takes Notre Dame's class of 2021 to 17 players, and it ranks number 12 in the country. I personally think it's going to, it's going to be better than that. Okay, Mason, you sent me a list of some guys you want to make a quick mention of. Titus Mokayo Atimilala. I love this kid from Hawaii. Notre Dame's giving him the opportunity to play safety or wide receiver i think essentially you just want this guy in the class right he's just so talented six foot one 165 uh just he, he's a stud and uh you, you know he's an he's rated as an athlete at the moment but he can play either safety or wide receiver uh, i really like when Notre Dame stands with him i think he's going to be ended up in this class Jaden slocum another guy when you're kind of looking at looks like he could play multiple positions as well tell me about him he's uh he's a lanky safety 6'2 buck 85 um Notre Dame really likes him at safety but he can play corner as well it seems like my Mickens likes the lengthy corners. Ryan Barnes, uh, Chance Tucker, Philip Riley, all above six foot, with Ryan Barnes coming in at nearly 6'3. So he really likes the lanky corners, and he's recruiting defensive backs very well, him and Terry Joseph both. So Jaden Slocum's a guy that's high on Notre Dame. Might be a tough pull from Georgia, but Notre Dame's been pulling guys out of Georgia pretty regularly the past couple of years. Yeah, he's from Alpharetta, Georgia, and we're going to go right to another Georgia kid, an Atlanta kid, a wide receiver by the name of Jaden Thomas. He's come up on the show before. Four-star, great player, another 2021 kid. Tell us more, Mason. Yeah, he's a guy that you really need to top off this class. Jaden Thomas is a very talented wide receiver. Notre Dame looked to be set at wide receiver when it had Deion Colsey, yet another Georgia player, Todd. So uh, Deion Colsey ended up decommitting. Looks like he's going to be Georgia-bound uh, within the next couple weeks or so. But I really like what I see from Jaden Thomas, 6'2", 205, ranked as the number 23 wide receiver in the class, straight out of Atlanta. Pace Academy is a great school over there. I think he's an impact player and somebody Notre Dame could really use down the, down the line. Yeah, big kid for sure at that position. And one 2022 player you wanted me to mention, uh, offensive lineman Billy Sprouth, a four-star, 6'5", 275 from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Yeah, it looks like Notre Dame in Wisconsin in this one, Todd. Uh, family loves Notre Dame, loves everything they're hearing about Notre Dame. But being from the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin tends to keep their players in-state. So it's going to be a tough battle. The kid loves Notre Dame, but he, he really likes in-state Wisconsin as well. But uh, he'd be a great start to the class, as well as uh, the already committed Joey Tonona, a four-star offensive lineman. So Notre Dame's going down and getting the guys uh, down, on the, uh, down on the blocks, Todd. So, you know, the big-time blockers, they're uh, continuing offensive line you. Yeah, they're, they're already looking to 2022 already, and you're right. Wisconsin can be a tough pull, especially when you're talking about those big uglies up front. They like to stay home a lot of times. Okay, Mason, I'm going to let you introduce this interview. It's a wonderful interview. It's with 2022 recruit Robbie Snelling. The thing that's interesting about Snelling is he's a two-sport athlete, and he absolutely wants to play baseball, and he absolutely wants to play football, and he's not going to have it any other way, the way I read this interview. He's a six foot three, 208-pound kid out of Reno, Nevada. 
Nevada. It's interesting because he's an outfielder and a pitcher in baseball, and I don't exactly know. He's another kid that looks like could play a lot of positions in football. Tell me about him and then introduce the interview. Just about He's about as versatile as it gets. Robbie Stanley, as you mentioned, is height and weight, and you know, he plays outfield, he plays a little bit of infield, he pitches, and he hits like a truck, Todd, and a playing linebacker for his football team in, at McQueen in uh, Reno, Nevada. So, he, you know, this guy, he's a big dude. Like I said, he hits like a truck, but then he'll hit you with a 92-mile-an-hour fastball as well off the mound. So the kid's super talented, and uh, he's at the moment he's committed to Stanford for baseball. He's been committed there for about a year and a half. But, Todd, the interesting thing here is he's hit, he's hit a couple roadblocks, as I mentioned in my story on Irish Breakdown on Sports Illustrated. You can find it there that he's hit some roadblocks with the Stanford coaching staff about playing football for them, and he really wants to play both. So at the moment, he's really assessing all of his options, and you'll hear about that in the interview. And the interview picks right up with him talking about his conversations with both the Nerding football coaches and the Nerding baseball coaches. He gave me the rundown on people that uh, that had done the dual sport over at Notre Dame, and all the uh, he, he talked about Jeff Samarja. Uh, he was football and baseball. Talked about Golden Tate. And he gave me the background on all the academics and the story program for football. And he, he, was, he just made me feel super comfortable with talking to him and asked about my parents and what I wanted to study and asked about how uh, geography would affect my choice and making my decisions, uh, whatever I do choose. And it was, it was a good talk. And then I got home. Uh, my, dad had, my dad's my high school coach, too, for football. And that's pretty easy for me to uh, talk to colleges that way because I can just contact him and have me call them. And so Coach Polian called my dad, and he was like, hey, can you have Robbie uh, give me a call tonight around 530? So Coach Polian's the one who gave me the offer. He made things feel uh, really comfortable, too. He's seen uh, my dad have a good relationship, and uh, it was it was good talking to him. Um, I was I was really excited when he told me that they were giving me the offer. When you're talking about the baseball team, so in high school, you, you said you play outfield? Yeah, so I play center field at high school. Um, I go both ways. So I'm a left-handed pitcher. I play center and I hit. So. And do you swing from the left-hand side as well? No, I hit right-handed. I'm working on the switch hitting part. I don't know if it'll if it'll come into the games, but. Um, in the batting cases, it's, 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 it's occurred a couple times. We've, we've gone to the left side a few times. Uh, I saw a lot of numbers by your pitching. Are you already recruiting you as a pitcher then? Do they want you to throw? That's what, that's what uh, Coach Polian was making it sound like. But, I mean, if I can make it work, I mean, my hitting isn't, isn't anything that's below average. I mean, I hit very well. So, I mean, if it, if it works out that way, I might be able to still play outfield. Um, it just depends. I don't. I don't want it to be a situation where a kid comes in though, and he's he's there for football, and he's not going to a lot of baseball practices, and uh, he comes in and he's he's playing outfield too. Um, but I want I want to be able to perform my best if I'm in the outfield, um, and the amount of time that I'd have to put in for it uh, might not be where it needs to be. So uh, pitching pitching is a definite is definitely uh, something that's going to happen, though. When you're, when you're saying, you know, that they're recruiting you as a pitcher, so what is your fastball touching these days? So I went to a showcase uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was at 91. But when I was down in California at one of my practices on a hand radar, it was 92. You said that Stanford baseball offer just came in two or three weeks ago? No, the, the baseball offer, uh, they came in at the beginning, the end of my freshman year okay. um, for baseball. And the football offer came in a couple of weeks ago. How long have you been committed to Stanford for baseball, though? I committed the summer uh, going the summer going into my sophomore year.
have they kind of known that you're you're trying to keep your options open? Yeah, yeah, I've I've uh, I've told them that, and uh, I didn't. It wasn't. They weren't very happy about it, but um, I feel at some point they have to understand uh, that that um, I'm 16 years old and you know making a decision right now for where I'm going to go. That's really kind of stressful right now. So we're gonna we're gonna see how things turn out. So tell me kind of what you're looking for and your uh, and where you want to spend the next. Well, you know, four or five years of your life. I mean, I have nine offers now since uh, Notre Dame came in, and uh, so I mean, the top the top three right now for me would have to be uh, Arizona, Notre Dame, and Oregon. Football and baseball. All my offers right now are for both. Excellent interview as always, Mason. Really enjoyed it. Neat kid, sixteen years old. Boy, there's a lot of poise to him. You know, that's what really jumped out of me. Well spoken, bright kid. Uh, were you struck by that as well? That's what I was just about to say, Todd. Super well poised, and that's what you like to see. You, that's that seems to be a difference maker, and you know the guys that are really well well composed and uh, well mannered as well. He was super respectful over the phone. He was really respectful of my time, which you can't say about everybody. Recruiting is a tough business that way. Where I'm always uh, I'm always on the phone with guys. It's always on their time, but he was super respectful of mine and uh, a great kid to talk to as well. I really got to know him. Not only you know what he does on the field, but off of it. So I really feel like I got to know him, and uh, he's a guy that I've been in touch with a lot. So we're going to be hearing more about him soon. For sure, and hopefully he gets here on campus. Those two sport athletes are always a lot of fun to cover. Okay, Mason, let's run. Uh, let's get to our position preview. Probably my favorite position group on the entire team. Offensive line, absolutely loaded. Just to help illustrate just how solid this line is expected to be this season, Pro Football Focus in January ranked its 30 best blockers heading into the 2020 season here. And four of Notre Dame's five offensive line starters made the cut. Uh, senior right tackle Robert Hainsey, he topped the list at number 23. Senior left guard Aaron Banks was number 24. Left tackle Liam Eichenberg, who did not allow a single sack last year, he was number 28. And junior center Jared Patterson was number 30. That's a pretty star-studded lineup. You know, what's sort of funny is, ironically, senior right guard Tommy Kramer, who actually in 2019 was a mid-season All-American, he isn't even on the list. And now you have to throw in Josh Lugg, sort of the Swiss Army Knife versatile backup. He's definitely an NFL prospect. When a guy like Josh Lugg can't crack this starting lineup, that shows you just how deep and good this, this line is. You read my mind, Ty. It's hard to imagine that on very many big-time schools in the country that Josh Lugg wouldn't be starting. But that's that's the kind of spot we're at right now with the depth and the strength of this Notre Dame offensive line right now. And you said it. This starting this starting line is just unreal. It'd be so much fun to watch. And if we don't have a season, that's going to be really disappointing because I would love to just see them all on the offensive line. Yeah, because these guys are all going to have a decision to make if this season gets canceled and they move it to spring. You know, this line is going to have a much different look next year. So it'd be a heck of a lot of fun to see this group play together. As a matter of fact, this group, the returning Irish linemen, have a combined 114 career starts. That's believed to be the most brought back for a season in program history. And it's also the first time this season since 2005 that Notre Dame returned all five of its offensive linemen. Mason, when you look at this unit, I think what jumped out at me is they were so good in pass blocking. As a matter of fact, Pro Football Focus rated them number two in the country when it came to protecting the pass. They weren't quite as good in blocking for the run game. Uh, Notre Dame ranked only 45th last season in rushing at 179 yards per game. But I think this team can improve in that department. How about yourself? Well, I think it has to. Um, Notre Dame has some talented running backs, and it, they need to stay healthy, first of all. But 
you got to make some holes for the running backs and let them run. Um, it was interesting you said that about the passing game as well because that was uh, a critique of mine. I mentioned a lot of times on our show during the season, last season, Todd was that was that Ian Book just had happy feet in the in the pocket, but he he's got a pocket and these linemen let let them do their job and let them block and keep your eyes downfield. That's a great point right there, Mason. We're out of time. That flew by as always. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we check out of here? I've got a couple more stories being published on Irish Breakdown real soon. I've been talking with uh, a former Michigan commit actually. He just decommitted. You'll be able to find that story here soon. He's got some heavy Notre Dame interest, and uh, it'd be a great flip candidate. Ladies and gentlemen, that's your gold standard. The Notre Dame podcast, we hope, continues to be your gold standard for all things Notre Dame athletics. Thank you very much, Mason. Mason, tell them where they can find you. At Mason Plummer IB on Twitter is where you're going to find all the latest. Then on Irish Breakdown on Sports Illustrated, that's where you're going to find all my articles. You can find me at Blue and Gold Illustrated and at Todd Burlage on Twitter. We'll talk to you all in a couple weeks. Gold standard.